Welcome to Week in Horror. You gotta be fucking kidding. The only podcast that will feed your horror need. The need to feed. With JL. Yeah, I'm a fucking masochist. I'll watch that shit. <laughs> Eugene. Somebody has to be the sex symbol. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alex. Shit, I just demonetize this forever. And Johnny O. How do you like that shit? Got half was in a monologue. <laughs> Before unmuting myself. Golly, it's one of those fucking days. <laughs> With industry guests. Hi, this is Richard Oakes, director of host. Hey, this is Adam Leader, director of host. This is Matthew Mark Hunter. I'm Donna Nelly. And you're listening to Week in Horror. And you're listening to Week in Horror. And this is Week in Horror. And you're listening to Week in Horror. Welcome to prime time, bitch! News, trivia, and more. One by one, we will take you. Join our live show Wednesdays at 7 central, youtube.com slash weekinhorror, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Week in Horror. Stay scared. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, horror fans. It's... Thursday, different day of the week, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central Time. That means it's time for another episode of Weekend Horror Podcast, the only podcast for the strange and unusual. Thank you for joining us for our live show. And for all of our podcast listeners, be sure to check us out so you too can interact with us directly with the show. This week, we're covering select films released in horror history from August 29th through September 4th. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Eugene, and with me tonight is Johnny O and JL. Hey, we call it Johnny One Eye. <laughs> and good evening, everyone. <laughs> so I tell JL, like in the in the green room, that I had to pick out a new eyeball. He was like, "Oh, oh that's funny." What? Because I know you're joking. Well, yeah, it's true, but still, it's nice to know that. <laughs> it's nice to know that if I have to get an eye replaced, you're like, "Oh, do they make one with the with the crosshairs on it, like in the movie I saw that one time?" If you get a last action hero eye, that'd be badass. Doing, if I have to, if I have to the glass eye, that's exactly what I'm doing. You gotta get all those like, so you can like pull the shades off and be like, "Have a nice day." Yeah, it's either gonna be an eight ball, or it's gonna be the smiley face, or the 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 target symbol. Yeah. yeah. Targets look pretty sweet, yeah. Yep. And you gotta get one. To, you gotta get one so that when it's on the grid, they people can look at it and put messages on it. <laughs> Vengeance is mine. Boom. Boom. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Do it from a fucking lose this eye. I'm gonna lose it the right way. <laughs> Somebody give me a pen. <laughs> Let me show you a magic trick. <laughs> fucking, uh, fucking demolition man style. Have yep. a nice day. Thanks. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Except that's not how that shit works. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but yeah, you've sent me way too many messages because Johnny likes Johnny way likes too many today. messages. He'll, like one, one Johnny time. Will send me that's one too many. He'll send me admin messages like over the admin uh, chat that we have that like intended specifically to like rile me up or be like, hey, this. And I'm like, and he knows I'm over here. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna keep my cool. But he knows I'm just like seething. Over here, I was like, because I got to deal. I got so much shit I have to deal with, logistically wise. And he knows if I just throw this one little thing out there, Jared, JL is just going to be like, <laughs> and then, and because because I because like I won't respond. And he knows I'm I'm trying to cool off so I can respond, you know, uh, correctly. Uh -huh. So I you know. It's, yeah. 
and yep. he knows, and he does it on purpose. And he's done it so he's done it so many times. One time, he's done it so many times. One that, time, that I'm literally like Johnny will say something, be like, I don't. And I'm, my my response is, I don't believe you. I don't believe anything you say. There's no wolf <laughs> over there, my friend. <laughs> I've never cried wolf a day in my life. Hi, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do it at moments at a time, but not for a whole day. Just moments at a time with him. No, I have, I have, <laughs> I have played your, I have played you like a fiddle one time, and it stuck <laughs> with him. I may have plucked that string. I may have plucked that string all day, but it was still one fiddle that play. Okay, is loose. I have <laughs> to retune it. <laughs> not my fault. Your pegs aren't tight. <laughs> oh fuck so hey let's take a look uh welcome everybody uh thank you for being in the live chat let's take a look before we dive into what we're going to talk about tonight other than johnny's deception uh, let's, take look, let's take a look at who's in the live chat ah i see surf is first and 18th because he's amazing like that surf one of our amazing patrons good to see you and we've got elizabeth sylvester's in the house good to see you i hope you are feeling better um see clive wells is in the house uh you know, bring in the ghosts appreciate it clive and mr andrat oh good to see you good to see you and commander darklight another one of our amazing patrons will be lurking he says yes johnny two eyes that's just mean super excited how are you doing i am doing good doing excellent i was up super super late dealing with end of the month stuff because every as I constantly, you know, I whinge about uh, end of the month stuff with weekend horror. Oh, end just, of the month stuff. Yeah, it's end of the month stuff always just eats up so much time and just. So you uh, said time of the month stuff. So well, that explains a lot. Well, pretty much for the show, it is. <laughs> I mean, the time <laughs> of the month is the end of the month for the show. <laughs> so thank you, Elizabeth. I do appreciate it. Jeff Roberts in the house. Good to see you, Charlie Welch, the only man you don't make a bet with. It says yo, weekend horrors. That's actually on the weekend horror slash. It's that's, only on that's on the OnlyFans slash yeah. weekend horror. Yeah, yeah that's where you'll get the. We're going to be doing that show tomorrow, actually. Uh -huh. so. Friday at, uh, well, it really technically, I guess it's Saturday because we make sure to do it at 12.01 midnight. So that's really <laughs> Saturday morning, but you guys get it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Chris Durham Music Channel. Ah, Chris Durham says, uh, my prediction for tonight's trivia question is Harold and Maud. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. I just don't know. I'll Charlie. rewrite the question as we right now. We write <laughs> All right. it. Uh, Charlie Welch has countered saying his trivia answer is sausage. Obviously a reference to the state of the show. <laughs> uh, appreciate the, the trivia guesses. I guess we'll find out when we get around to it. Clive Wells is typewriter. I don't know what that refers to, but uh, um, Glober Mom, good to see you. She's in the house, and we got uh, oh, said sarcasm says wrong bat time, wrong bat channel. Is this dementia? No, unfortunately, health and tech issues precluded us from doing it yesterday. Um, Johnny was uh, was resting up and uh, get to getting to feel better, and Eugene was out there kicking ass and doing the filmmaking thing that Eugene does. Yeah, so. uh, I, uh, excuse me for a second. I have a bone to pick with you, Eugene. Uh -oh. Here I am. Oh, shit. Got fucking uh, staph my, infection in my, my eye. Where's my popcorn? Where's my popcorn? My <laughs> eye is rotting uh -huh. out of my face as we speak, and then Mr. Eugene goes and posts a clip of him cutting somebody's eyeball out in the last film he's making. Using my lenses, fucker. You really put that evil on him, didn't you, Ricky Bobby? 
<laughs> it was just one of those things that just happened. I don't I don't know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've got 50 hours worth of footage. Let me get this 10 seconds where we're cutting a dude's eyeball out. <laughs> uh, we used a real eyeball if it makes you feel better. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Charlie Wells. It's the eye of the tiger if the tiger had pink, had pink eye. eye. <laughs> <laughs> but the eyeball is not pink. Actually, the eye is really healthy. It's just the eyelid. I'm telling you, that's what we that's what we need to do. That when when Week in Horror gets monetized and we can do that, then all the initial proceeds are gonna go to a proceeds are gonna go to a bidet for Johnny because apparently the toilet paper is just too complicated. So we're gonna let him spray that thing out no. with a hose. Toilet and, paper's uh, not complicated. Not have to worry it's what about happens when it gets a hole in it. Always two ply. Two ply, yes. That's when it has. A, it doesn't have like a one and then a slash above it. That's two ply, right? One roll, two ply, right? That's what that means. One roll, two ply, right? Leaves just aren't that tough. You know, you try to save money, and it's just like ah. That depends on what kind of leaves they are. If they're those ones that they have like five on them, and then you know they're kind of scratchy, but they leave a little itchy when you're done. Telling you. Just don't just just don't do just don't do what we all do is like because I last night I thought I heard a Sasquatch scream and in actuality it was just Johnny using a pine cone. Yep. yep. Look, oh. I couldn't find the seashells. <laughs> well, if you scrape off that first layer of skin, then it's clean of all the shit. Yes, exactly. So I was thinking. How is this the topic that we're talking about? I swear. All right. You brought so, it up, uh, Mr. Bidet. <laughs> okay so we got a couple of things we want to cover before we get to uh before we get to the movies that we're going to talk about tonight um but yeah so first and foremost uh we kind of an interesting month we actually had the after dark before we do the bloodbath specifically we do the bloodbath debate before we do after dark but not this month we had our after dark guys come in and do their thing and uh, pitch their uh their kickstarter for their upcoming film and uh but now we have to vote. We have to get the bloodbath done. And uh, one thing that we're going to be doing is I have a coin here, and we are going to coin flip, so we can determine who will be taking on which icon that they will be that they will be defending in the upcoming bloodbath debate. And the upcoming bloodbath debate is Candyman versus Bloody Mary. Ooh, tantalizing. Mm. So urban legend, urban legend, mirrors, mm. mirrors got to summon the same thing. So but we got mm. two nasty, uh, two nasty hey, horror man. icons. Alex uh-huh. isn't here though. Alex isn't here, um, but we, I think we, because uh, Alex has got uh, the kid situation, and I think he's also I, he actually had a tooth extraction uh, yesterday, and so okay. he is just kind of uh, so. But we can do. We only need one person to do the coin flip because we just true. need Johnny to call. So. Um, in essence, so we need um, to get a big weekend horror coin. Can we mint that? True, we do, yeah. Like yeah, yeah we got, really do. We, we, yeah, we, we, can, we can have one made, yeah. That would be really um, cool. So uh so Candyman, so Eugene, Candyman Bloody Mary is what is one of them heads, one of them tails? Yeah, let's do let's do it that way. So that way you it's not like oh you can kind of pick your favorite. It this is like pure expertise on it. Okay, we'll do so, so Let's do uh let's do heads. So this will go to Johnny. 
right? So this is the one that Johnny's going to get. Obviously, Alex will get the other one. And we'll do Heads, Candyman, Tales, uh, Bloody Mary. Okay, Heads, Candyman, Tales, Bloody Mary. Now, uh, whichever, now you can pick which one, you, which one you want, Johnny, but it's not necessarily going to be the one that you want. So you ready? Wait, 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 what? You're going to call Heads or Tails. Doesn't matter because Heads is Candyman. I'm getting whichever the coin flip which, goes, right? You, yeah, he's getting okay, whichever so the coin flip. So if you, so win, if you flip the coin and it lands on Heads, I'm taking Candyman. If it lands on Tails, Obviously, tails never fails, so I'll be getting Bloody Mary. That's gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you ready? Yep. All right. Flip the coin. I know everybody likes it. You see me? I was doing so hard. So smacking. Um, so it is tails. I told you. Bloody Mary. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Sorry. Bloody Mary. Uh. All right, and Alex, I got to write that down. Make sure I don't forget. So Alex has got Candyman. He's got the easy one. And you've got Bloody Mary. So Johnny O. <laughs> Chris Derby is just his best two out of three. I'm curious. Let us know in the live chat who you think is going to win this one. Candyman versus Bloody Mary. I'd like to know what y'all think. No, 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 no. What? No. You need to ask them. Um Johnny O versus Alex, who's going to win? <laughs> That's a different question. I want to know who they think. I want to know who they think. Which horror? No, I, I get it. I know. Yeah. I'm just being silly. Okay, so let us know in the live chat who you think is going to win the next the next bloodbath debate: Bloody Mary or Candyman? Who's who's going to take who's going to take that one? Because Candyman's got, I think, three films to uh, to look through, but there's a smattering of Bloody Mary films out there. And uh, and there's kind of like a villain's wiki that you can kind of look into that as well. Not to mention the urban legend itself. So, um, but yeah, I'm kind of curious what the live audience thinks. And second thing um, uh, coming up now that we have that decided. Second thing. Wait, 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 real quick also. uh And then if you want to actually listen to the debate, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. And that way you can actually hear them duke it out mono mono and find out who the winner will be find out how bad johnny o beats alex is what you meant to say i get it <laughs> you, get, you, get, you get early uh our patrons have early access and all of it is described in the patreon tier you get early access to the bloodbath and to our after dark sessions with our special industry guests lots of cool stuff for the patreon for the patreon people for the patron people so and JL just lost a quarter. Yes, he did. It's a lucky quarter. You should put it in your pocket. Don't put it in your pocket. Then it'll touch the other quarters and just become a quarter. Just become another coin. Which, which is, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, worked all yeah, this yeah. way to get here for this moment. <laughs> Call it. Yeah. Sugar is crazy. <laughs> and on sugar is crazy. <laughs> I still oh, think my. he's I still think he's uh he's uh I forget what his name was. Josh Brolin's character. I, th- I, uh, I like that theory. I think it's a good, solid theory. Possible, possible that he would. I he think was... it's solid because if you go back and actually listen to that theory, as a total tangent. I did, I did go, back. go back and listen to that theory, and it's I solid. There's a couple of things that stand in the way. There's a couple of points. If you take it as true, there's a couple of points in the movie that don't make sense because Llewellyn ends up in possession of knowledge that he can't have unless he's in two places at the exact same time. And it's just the overlap of their stories. There's just no way he can Oh, come yeah? What, what knowledge yet. would that be? The, uh, the um, where was it? It, it? it dealt, it centered around Woody Harrelson's character. 
uh-huh. and the interaction between the two of them. And right. Shagur had knowledge of where Harrelson would be when he, when he went to go kill him. Mm-hmm. But uh, Llewellyn was not in possession of that unless he was at the same at the same. Oh, no, he wouldn't have possession of that unless um, he was there. I mean, if he was there. But unfortunately, Llewellyn was overdoing something else, was dealing with something else at the exact same time, which right. is why Llewellyn have- also had knowledge of where the bag was off the bridge. But uh, Shagur did not. Again, we're going we have to think you have to bring in the unreliable narrator portion into this. Um, that's that's an important part of the story uh, because of the the way that that theory works. I, I think it's a solid theory if you look at it outside of everything you see on the screen is factual. You know what I mean? Next Maybe. on the episode of Modern Western. Yeah, that's I mean, true. No that's true. for old men. That's I true. think some, I think somebody could also say that the whole fucking thing was literally a dream that Tommy Lee Jones had. And and that's uh, see, but you those two can coincide with each other, which would be really cool, yeah. right? Like because Tommy then again, if it is Tommy Lee Jones's dream, and according to Freud, we are everyone in our dreams. That just kind of solidifies that those two are the same character. Yeah. And him trying to figure out, right? Him just dealing with the fact that he can't cope with the fact that the world has moved on, and his style of, of policing and law enforcement right. is is going the is you know going away. <clears throat> Hey, Kevin, exactly. good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, Tony Regime is in the house, too, says, didn't Sammy Davis Jr. sing about the Candyman as well? <laughs> I think it was a different Candyman. He did. Uh, he did <laughs> sing about the Candyman. But everybody wanted to see that Candyman. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. All right. So the next thing that I wanted to bring up before we dive in was, so I was watching, because I've been catching up on some on some stuff, on some shows. My wife has been watching some stuff and uh, caught that show, uh, uh, Billions. With uh, Damian Lewis, Apology Giamatti. It's a fantastic show. Not a horror show, but more of a you know thriller drama, and you know just just a really really great acting across the board. But I but I caught um, a commercial for for a show coming up on Epics that uh, called Chapel Wait. And if you guys uh, and I and I wanted you guys to uh, did you guys get a chance to see the trailer for that? I Adrian did. Brody. I did. So Chapel so Chapel Wait. I haven't been this, seeing much of anything this past couple of days. Fucking asshole! <laughs> <laughs> you have a spare, yo, yo. It's just an eye. The gods saw fit to grace you with a spare. Yeah, well, that one. Did- <laughs> Look at these fucking things! <laughs> no, it's just an eye. It's just an eye. So, no, I really, I didn't get an opportunity. I've been busy with work and going to doctors and whatnot. So tell us all about JL. I want to hear it. I really do. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I wanted to get your guys' take on it because, one, it looks fantastic. stars Adrian and Brody. And it's a series that is, or I, I can't tell if it's a mini series or a limited series, but it is based. Adrian Brody was blessed with an extra schnoz, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, the Brody works. Okay. The you, Brody Look, works. it works for him. Brody, I'm telling you. The, the Brody cool. plays. The Brody plays. The Brody plays. Um, but yeah, it's based off of uh Stephen King's Jerusalem's Lot or Salem's Lot. And I'm really curious as it because this is another one of those adaptations that's coming along that we're yeah, we're billing to see that we're uh that are picking up steam. We're seeing right. more and more of these Stephen King adaptations come along that I'm telling are you, it's really like the solid. 80s all over again. They crack the formula. Oh, that's just what happens. What do you think of like superhero movies? You have good one here and there that would come out, but most of them were duds until you Marvel. had 
until you know until Marvel Iron Man cracked Iron the Man, yeah until you know Feige until Kevin Feige and uh and um John John, uh, John uh, Favreau. and, and yeah, Favreau. I still yeah. think I still think what made that movie was Robert Downey Jr. Oh, That's oh, what yeah. because well, and, and, his personality Favreau, yeah Favreau is cl- is close with Downey yeah, so, right. No, Favreau was like, hey, dude, look, I want you to come in and be you because you are Tony Stark. You read Tony Stark in yeah. the comic books. You look at Robert Downey Jr. Nobody can play that role. Nobody else can play that role. Oh, no, yeah. no one. No one could have done better. Yeah. And but going back with Stephen King, I think we finally started cracking that yep. formula. And once you crack well, it, then they're just going to steamroll out. So you got. Yeah, you've had a really you've had a whole bunch of really good Stephen King adaptations in the past. I guess 10 years we're talking about gerald's game we're talking about it we're talking about uh castle rock which again wasn't it's an adaptation but it's a series um the 11 22 the stand i haven't seen the stand yet i still haven't seen it i need i know i hear it's really good here it's so much better than the original but that's not really saying much um but yeah so people like i said they these recent stephen king adaptations have been good I mean, forget you know the remake of uh, what's my college? Yeah, not not the remake of like Pet Cemetery. Yeah, like yeah, fuck that shit. But you go look at the originals again. Gerald's Game. I think that's kind of where it started. Yeah, I'd actually I, have I, to agree with that. Yeah, because yeah. I think um, you get you know I mean you get solid actress attached with Carla Gugino, absolutely amazing actress. Uh, Bruce Greenwood, fantastic. Yeah. And you show that when you approach the source material with you know some honesty and some real love. Yep. You, I mean, and the actors themselves believe in what they're doing. Now you know, knock out the screenplay, but that I think that's been the biggest issue is is is, is adapting it is the screenplay in and of itself because people try to you know to get the screenplay across and it's not. I mean, there's there's going to be some loss there from the book, but you get a really talented screenwriter who can who can adapt it and make it play to the screen. Holy shit! Then you get everybody attached. To, uh, who you know, if everybody believes it, then you get stuff like you know, like uh, Gerald's Game, um, nineteen twenty two. 11 22 63 no 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 the, oh, uh, no, the, the one thomas, thomas jane thomas jane yeah, yeah 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 and so you get some really fantastic performances and people finally get to you know you know you know flex their wings under the stephen king banner which i think is what that really needed you know this you got to look at it though there have been some really good stephen king adaptations in the past if you look at shawshank redemption you look at um you look at the green mile and you look at even even the myths a lot of people don't like the way the myths ended but regardless you know, I think Frank Darabont kind of mm-hmm. cracked that Stephen King adaptation code way back when. It's just he's an asshole to work with if you're a studio executive. I, I mean, honestly, if you're an actor, you want Frank Darabont on your team. If you're a studio exec, fuck that guy. Well, it, it, it's going back to superheroes. I think Frank Darabont would just be like Christopher Nolan. Like Christopher Nolan did three great Batman movies. But it's kind of like it's too much his style. That right. It's not. It's not a formula that could be replicated again right. and again and again. And I think Frank Darabont's the same. I think Shawshank Redemption is the best Stephen King adaptation, but you can't replicate that. Yeah. He, he has his. He can do it. He he can do it several times, but no one else can. Right. Gotcha. Well, I'm really curious about this one. It's dark. It's brooding. I'm. Super looking forward to it. I think, uh, I, I mean, just from the trailer itself, it looks like it's going to be great. Um, you know, the, the the Salem's Lot stuff hasn't been hasn't been really touched in a while, but I'm really interested in seeing if there's going to be any uh, subtle links to the uh, to his other works, like subtle links to the Dark Tower series. 
um, or some other things. You know, like little references for those who are really, really big fans. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. The trailer is up on YouTube. And, of course, that show will be on um, Epics, uh, which I'm not sure what their subscription service is like or anything. But, uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll be solid. It's interesting to see some, you know, other plays, not just like HBO, uh, Showtime, you know, Netflix jumping into that, or even Amazon jumping into that. But now we've got, like, Epics jumping into it. And pretty soon, I think um, Stars is going to be jumping into that field as well. So I'm really, you know, of course, then Blumhouse with their stuff. It's going to be really, really interesting. I think it's going yeah. to be a good, uh, a good, I think 2022 is going to be a good year for horror films. And we're going to need them because, you know, 2022. All the, all the, well, <laughs> all, all the source material. Show. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, interesting stuff on the horizon to be sure. Speaking and, of uh, horror films. Speaking yes. of horror films. Johnny, what are we got first? <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking Ace Ventura, that car in that parking space. <laughs> like a glove. Like a glove. <laughs> more like more like when you try to take the turn too hard and it'll roll it up rolling the car like nine times. <laughs> 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 oh geez. You can't say we don't have fun on this show. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So what do we have up first? We've got arachnophobia remake, sort of, except in arachnophobia, we actually gave a shit about the characters. I'm ahead of myself. <laughs> in 2019, we had a film called Itsy Bitsy. It's an American horror film directed by Micah Gallo. Nobody? Nobody? All right. Starring Bruce Davidson, <laughs> Elizabeth Roberts, Armand Darbo, and Chloe Perrin. Uh, featuring Denise Crosby, Aline Dietz, and Maddie Kadropel. Centers on a family who moves into an old secluded mansion where they are stalked by an ancient entity that takes the form of a giant spider. Why have I not heard this story before? Hmm. <laughs> it feels like we were just talking about Stephen King adaptations. <laughs> Basically, you get a living nurse who's going to go move in with Bruce Davis's character. She's there to take care of him, help him out because he's an old guy who's losing his mind, much like his real life. Anyway. So she's there. Little kids start seeing spiders. Big spider comes. And as Eugene likes to say, shit gets real. Yes, it definitely gets super, super lopsided. I mean, I mean yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's funky in this one. Uh, hey, Skooma Cat. Good to see you. Thank you for stopping by. Um, th- that was the big thing about this is I was actually, I was so torn about it. Now, the story in itself is pretty simple. I mean, you know, like ancient, you know, Bruce right. Davidson is your, is your ancient, is your collector of like ancient artifacts and oddities around right. the world and mm-hmm. kind of a tomb hunter, grave robber kind of guy that's yeah. made made his fortune. And so all around his house, he's all like sort of collected shit, probably stuff that he stole from, you know, native tribes, things that he probably should not have. And then in turn, one of the things he has is like the, the great, is like this egg. It's like this, you know, and you know, this, this supposed to be representative of like the spider god of this tribe. And as it turns out, it actually is an egg and actually houses like, yeah, you know, I guess like the incarnation of the spider. It's it's a big ass fucking spider. It's it's mean <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's it's gross and you know, it's it's, it's an absolute badass. Um but the problem was, and, and the spider and this is one thing about it, is like it's kind of like arachnophobia. One of the things that made arachnophobia great is the spiders looked fantastic. The spiders well, they were real. Yeah, they, a lot of, a lot With of the real. exception of the end spider, that was a puppet, but 
all the, the other stuff. Then <laughs> my well, hand yeah, on the screen. Typically, you don't when you set the spider on fire, it doesn't just like you know run at you and scream like, "Oh, oh. take it with me!" Yeah. <laughs> well, I never understood that. Why do they have to give? I get it, like in Eight Legged Freaks, okay, because it was funny. I got it, right? It's a comedy, yeah. cool, that's fine. But Anaconda, fucking Arachnophobia, why do we have screaming spiders and screaming snakes? It doesn't fucking no make sense. And and while that would look good, and I've seen other ones, and of course, you know, like like the movie Big Ass Spider, um, uh, one of uh, one of Mike Mendes is, I think, probably Mike Mendes's best film ever. Um, you know, you know, you get good looking spiders. Yeah, they focus on it. That's the same in this one. The spider looked fantastic, whether it was whether it was puppetry or it was CGI, it was seamless. The lighting worked to its effect, atmospheric, moody, exactly what you'd expect in the historic kind of, kind of story we're telling. And the plot itself was decent. I can follow that. Ancient antiquity turns out to be an actual, like, you know, egg with this, you know, ancient monster inside. Monster pops out, besieges everybody, and then they, you know, they have to fight it and overcome. The problem was I didn't give a shit because I didn't what? care if any one of these people lived or died in this fucking movie. Bruce Davison is an True asshole. Story. Bruce Davidson yeah. is an asshole. Everybody he knows is assholes. The mom is a drug addict who took the job so she could siphon off his medication because that's what she is. Because she's desperate, so she takes this job because she actually is an RN. But she takes it and then she's like, "So you're wondering if she's stealing this fucking meds, so you know, whatever like that." So her character is damaged. The kid is an idiot, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't. And I'm sitting here watching. I was like, "This, this is. It's like." A beautiful stage, a beautiful stage, beautiful setup. All this level of work went into it, and then they just, you know, just people. The actors came in and said, and they looked at this thing. I was like, "Yep, this is a paycheck. I yeah. don't care. Let's not yeah. play the. Let's, let's not. I, mean, I can't even. I couldn't even value Bruce Davison for the level of his expertise. Like you could say, like, like he's a he's purely into. He's cold because he's an intellectual. Because right. he's interested in history and antiquity, and this is where his mind is, and we can see this. And when when he starts talking about these things, you can see the love in him kind of build up. It's like, no, it wasn't like that. No. It was something he lorded over people. Yeah, and I know that doesn't make you want to like it. It just makes him that 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 that's not indie. That's Belloc. Makes you root for yeah. yeah. Makes you root for the spider. Makes you root for the spider. It makes you root for the spider. It's like it, just it, be it really with this. He, he deserves it. He stole it. He stole it. You know, he took it from the people who who, who, you know, who treated it with respect. Then he lords it over everything. He's like, oh, I'm now, now I'm not even going to put it in a museum. I'm going to keep it in my house because I'm just you know, like, like totems to myself and my awesomeness. Then when people ask me about it or ask me about shit, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm so fucking it's better. You don't fucking understand it. You don't know. Oh, I couldn't wait for him to die. I knew it was going to happen. I couldn't wait for him to die. And... It wasn't until like the very very end when they kind of they they kind of put it out there. It's kind of like oh the what the the mom is just selfish. It's just the way she is. When she kind of like fights, you know, she's like oh I gotta save my child. There's a little bit. Let's throw a little character redemption in there. But fuck, dude, if we don't care about your goddamn yep. characters, what's the fucking point? No, because then it just it becomes a slasher film. Really. Yeah, that's a because it's not shot like a slasher film. It's very high contrasty and it's very cinematic looking on it. <coughs> it looks good. Yeah, it yeah. Does. It, 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 I mean, I'm, I was impressed. I was like, wow, because I was expecting itsy bitsy. Oh, spider, you know, thing. I was, I was, you know, expecting, you know, you know yeah. what to expect. You're kind of like, eh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just, you're, you know, you're expecting asylum pictures. Yeah, that's I don't have, I, I don't have great expectations, but I'm sitting there watching. I was like, wow. 
this is not bad. Camera guy, you know, the cinematographer knows what they're doing. DP is uh, is on point. The lighting is solid. The mood, the atmosphere, everything lends itself to this to this to the story, which I think is very serviceable for a monster movie, which is what this is supposed to be. But no, right. you know, and you know, we're gonna for it's gonna be 50-50. It's gonna be monster film and a whole bunch of characters that we just you know we're just gonna count until they get croaked. And maybe the mom will have a redemptive moment that makes you say, okay. Yeah, okay, the spider didn't get her. You know, that whole kind of thing. Yeah, but, we're hey. like, yeah, okay. That, I, I feel like that's such a that's such a cliche redeeming moment for moms when it's like, a, I do love my kid. I'll let me try to go save them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to fight for my child. Oh, well, you should. The minute the kid knew something was up, you probably should have been doing that for the no. Yeah, I gotta say, I I am kind of that that trope is just is almost as old as like the stupid cop trope in horror film. Yeah, like the kids. Oh, there's something going on. Oh, what do you know? You're just dumb kids. Oh, 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 there really is shit going on. Oh my god, (laughs) you know? Uh, come on, man. Come on, man. That that was that that was whole thing in the Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, it was a classic deal. I mean, the, the the one cop that shows up in the Friday the Thirteenth remake. In the 2009 one, the one cop who shows up first, he dismisses the protagonist. What are you doing out here? You don't belong out here. We've yep. looked for her. It's done. Get out of here. Go look somewhere else. We're getting tired of seeing you around. You're causing trouble. Then they get the call. Hey, there's a fucking killer outside. Please come help us. Okay. So he rolls up. No backup. Gets out of the car. Gun's not drawn. Looking around. Walks up. Knocks at the door. Gets smoked. It's like, that's what you get. What you get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that i i actually i want to see like a smart one that stays away from all those like cliches like i want to see in a horror film where the like the little girl's like something's actually going on here and the parents are like okay well let's go ahead ha- let's go ahead and get out of here real quick and let's go get a hotel room or something yeah so let's let's uh let's actually legit investigate and take this seriously you want to yeah. see parents who will who will learn from the situation you want to see poltergeist Because the whole beautiful moment of Poltergeist is we went through all of this shit. We got Carol Ann back. Everything's good. We're getting out of the fucking house. We go to a hotel. And what's the last thing you see in that movie? Yeah, get rid of the television. They pitch the television out of the fucking room. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you want to see. I want to see, like in the movie, Dolly Dearest. Now, when I I bring this up, because it was somewhat similar. But, I mean, in in the sense that there was a monster. it It was targeting the child. And invariably, it's about this, you know, like this demonic entity that's trying to like take over the child or whatever, using the doll as a kind of go between. And so Dolly Dearest was about a possessed doll that was killing like this. And the parents and, and the kid is is not acting right. And the mother knows it. The dad's distracted. But and so it's the typical cliche. The mom knows what's going on. But you have this conflict between her and the, and the, and the husband. Right. But ultimately, when the dad sees what he needs to see. Boom, he's a dad, and they're making they're making choices again. So that was smart. Dolly, the reason Dolly Dearest had a good had a happy ending was because the parents were smart, because they made yeah. smart decisions, because they did the poltergeist thing. They 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 figured it out and, they, and just they weren't you know we we don't have characters that are consumed with their own ego or their own bullshit, and then we're using that to drive the plot. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, that's what got in the way of this one. What could have been a really fun movie, uh, uh, just a good, you know, monster romp, turned into uh, a spider slasher film. So, Where this whole thing lost me was the again is just the 
it's the rely the reliance on the cliche, right? Like so, yeah. the whole trailer, itsy bitsy spider. Oh, we're gonna do the child lullaby thing, but we're gonna make it all you know fucking demonic and whatnot. It's like fuck, come on, man. Okay, what? it's supposed to be scary. We get it. We're gonna sing itsy bitsy spider in a scary way. Ooh, I'm so <laughs> scared. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's like you're right in terms of like the writing because it's easier to write stupid characters. It could because you, yeah, can be like, oh, well, they're that's stupid, good, so good they point, can go yeah. this, this, and again, instead of going like, okay, they believe them, they're intelligent, how would they interact? Because you still have to have the character, you have to have bad things happen to the character. Because if you write smart characters to begin with, then you have to have a bad guy that's smart. A right. bad guy that has to, so you have it has to elevate the all of the writing instead of just the oh well we're oh three of my friends are dead but we're still gonna stay in the woods anyway just hope for the best right uh, strong, why are yeah. we staying in the woods hey I think we should go hide behind all those chainsaws and sickles <laughs> why don't we just get in the running car yeah. <laughs> oh no! God, it always it's always great like, commercial. The greatest uh, the, the, the cabin in the woods. The gas in the face. Wait a minute. We we should all split up. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't split up. Y'all should split up. <laughs> yeah. I mean that makes sense. I mean that's the only way. That's that's the only redeeming quality about Cabin in the Woods is that it's supposed to be a big tongue in cheek about the yeah. the genre. Well, in particular, this one for this movie, this specific yeah, movie, lopsided. Fuck well, I mean, hell. that's it. Well, I mean, that's when the film is not focused, or when it's just a lazy, cheap, you know, screenplay. Yep. That's all it is. That this is that this was this is lazy writing. This is legitimately. I mean, that results in lopsided filmmaking. When you, I mean, when you have everything on one side from a technical perspective, from from everything, everything on this side, and then the director can look at the script and says, "Wow, these characters are not really written very likable." No one's really going to care if they if they go or not. Right. Let's see if we can have have the actors you know work with it, or maybe even do just tiny little adjustments. Choose certain words. Do certain things. Have the actor make choices that that justify us caring about whether or not they're going to live or die. You know? Right. And, and don't you? I mean, yeah. They say that you. They tell actors that we're slaves to the script. Okay, that's what we are. That we're slaves to the script. We can, we you know, that we can have fun sometimes. We can ad lib. We can do whatever, but we're slaves to it. We, this is the scene. This is the moment. This is what we're shooting for. This is what emotion is called for. These are the emotions that are not called for. Play within that realm, but the realm is very small. Okay, you can have fun with it, but remember, when you even when you're having fun, you're still blowing takes. So you've got you've got to you know mitigate it, and you just you know we're sl- you know, stay stay to stick to the script. But directors. While they're using the script to guide, directors have to have the vision to be able to step outside of it and be realize, ah, this is what it's going to look like on screen. Because sometimes writers can't visualize that; they can't see. It's it's like it's like adapting from a book to a screenplay. Sometimes you just can't get from the novel to the. You can't. You say, I see the novel. I'm adapting this, but the way I view view somebody reading a book is not the way people watch the screen. And not the way things come across from the screen. So sometimes writers have problem, and it's up to the director to be able to bridge that gap and be like, "Ah, I see what is going here. Let's do this." So because from the screen, from the screenplay to the screen itself, sometimes we got to tweak a little bit. But that takes bravery and risk on behalf of the director. 
He's got to be willing to stand up and explain these things. And if the director's just like, eh, it's just a fucking paycheck, then we get movies like this where we get good, solid opportunities that just fall flat because no one was willing to go out on a limb, which is what this industry demands, but unfortunately often rejects. Well, see, this is the, this is one of the big issues is it, this falls squarely on the director because all the other department heads did their job. The DP made it look pretty. The production design of the house was fantastic, right? The editing was what they had to go with. There was nothing bad editing-wise. It was just, it seemed like a normal thing. But it came down to the, it came down to the writing and the direction of the overall story of it. You know, I feel, I feel like this whole thing could have been fixed with one writing choice, one different writing choice. Instead of, Instead of the the mother taking the job so she can steal the pills, she should be taking the job so she could get as like part of a recovery. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would have been better if she I was think, an addict. Yeah, trying to recover, then likable right off that because we like to watch people better. Right, and it's, she's, she's fighting. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and even if you put in those moments where she's you're reinforced, she's still an addict, and she sees the opportunity, and then she doesn't do it. Right. You know, so where she can be like, ah, because she knew she was going to run into these moments. And then of exactly course, with, the, with the stress of the monster on the loose and, you know, and all these things going crazy, she may be driven to this. But then we see her overcome that. And then in her weakest moment, when she's poisoned by the spider, she's lying there. And she's like almost paralyzed. Can she fight through it to get to her kid? Which eventually she, uh, inevitably she does. Just in this particular one in Itsy Bitsy, it was just a little too little too late. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we didn't care for it. We didn't believe her arc. We didn't believe the the dynamic between anybody. I mean, it was you know, you got Bruce Davis, I'm a jackass. Okay, cool. You're a uh yeah. Why should we care about you? We don't. You're dead. Yeah. Cool. Next. Oh, little girl gets oh, you're dead. Next. Next. Just come on, just kill them all and get done with it. Yeah, My just, goodness. Even even Denise Crosby. In this, and I, and I mean, and I love, I've loved seeing Denise show up because Denise is a magnificent actress. I've loved her since you know her early days. Uh, loved obviously TNG. Loved her, in, uh, you know, uh, that work. But even, I mean, you could tell just casting Denise, uh, Denise Crosby. She had an opening in her schedule. It's a paycheck, right? She doesn't have to do much work, and she's not the focus of the movie. So we can bring her in to give it a little bit of horror, you know, horror credit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which I'm still, I'm still on the fence about doing that. I'm still on the fence of movies casting icons just to give them some horror credibility. There's you nothing know? wrong with it. Yeah, there's, you know, there's nothing. It's I just mean, probably, probably honestly, like the direction. If like I just, I don't believe the director understood characterization very well and probably didn't know how to direct the actor. Yeah, so okay you bring them in because i would love to work with any kind of a horror icon yeah uh, in, in any way possibility but sometimes you have to give them something to work with that could if be i'm evidence. if i'm sitting down to dinner and bruce campbell is sitting next to me and i say hey bruce you want to come be in this remake film they're doing called nail gun and he says yes i'm slapping your both peckers if you say no we're not doing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay, come on <laughs> but that could, this all could be evidence what eugene was talking about evidence by the fact that if you're on the wikipedia article about this movie and you click on his name micah gallo it redirects back to the movie itself yep so yep. there's no page on him so yeah i'm thinking it doesn't say it was his directorial debut but it was his directorial debut he did it was his it was his story it was his story he did co-write it 
and probably probably with the screenplay, and then he did direct it. So this may have been um, one of those one of those little uh, horror films that comes along. It's like, hey, we got this little horror film script. We can do this with it. It's not really it doesn't, it's not really going to cost us that much. We can do it to kind of pad you know to kind of pad the, the release schedule. So at least we have something out there. So we're turning out regular product. So and then, I mean, that's just the nature of the business. Yeah. I just wish sometimes. I wish at times it wasn't treated like it was just, you know, like, ah, it's just the nature of the business. I wish it was more like if a movie's going to come out and you're going to put that much money into it, at least, you know, come on, show a little love. Yeah. But, but yeah. Oh, shit. Let me pull up this here screen. (laughs) Now that we've had our fun with this film, I would like to ask the audience a question. And obviously, this has to be the obvious question we're going to ask. What is your favorite spider horror film? Mm. There's lots to choose from. So make sure you pick a good one and let us know why at the weekend horror uh, at gmail.com or in the comment section or in the side chat, all that fun stuff. <laughs> make sure you pick a good one. Not your favorite, but good one. Not your favorite. Yeah, because we don't care about your favorite. I'm kidding. For our pod for our podcast listeners who are not watching this live, uh, Johnny has a visitor on his screen. And it is, uh, I think, the littlest. The, the littlest, littlest who's e- having a popsicle. And then there's a dog over here trying to dig hey, his way to China. <laughs> Can you hear that? Can you hear Link over there trying to dig through the couch? I do. Silly animal. <laughs> oh, okay, I think we got Anna is in the house. And like I said, we have some people go saying, let me see here. Um, Charlotte's Web. Yep. Charlotte's Web. <laughs> uh, Spider Man. Anna says Spider Man. Well, which one? Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man. I mean, I th- honestly, I mean, if you were to say, I would say Amazing Spider Man because not not a great movie. Um, the command, the uh, the uh, Maguire, the Raimi Spider Man, good good one, except for Spider Man Three, that one was not great. Yeah. Uh, but I love Tom. Tom Holland is the new Spider Man for me. Um, is he Commander Darkness is Eight Legged Freaks? Hell yes. And uh, Tony Regime says not a spider horror, but my favorite is the scene from The Incredible Shrinking Man where he fights a spider. Good okay. classic yeah. stuff. Good classic mm. stuff. Nice. How about what was it? What was the one? Was that the one with uh, what's his name? Um, oh God. Forget, just forget I spoke. I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> uh, All right. Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. That's his name. No? Okay. In, uh, in the... Um, Incredible Shrinking Man? No, no. I'm thinking the other one where he shows up and then he goes to his room and there's a giant spider on the wall. It's like this weird random jump scare out of in a, in a, like a drama movie. Oh, I don't even know. I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. No, I'm gonna look this up. Okay, you look that up. You and, give um, me that. I, don't you give me that condescension. I will. I will. Uh, I will give myself my own uh, cue. Yeah. Hey, uh, what do we have up next? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny dropped QO. Your mom goes to college. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. So let's move on to our second one. Our next film tonight released August 31st, 2001. And it's the film Jeepers Creepers. All right. So Jeepers Creepers. I actually really, really did. This is one of, this is one of my, my favorite horror uh, favorite horror monsters. Yeah, we've got a good horror icon there. Uh, let's see. Jeepers Creepers released. Dang it. Let me say it again. August 31st, 2001. Directed by Victor Salvo. Starring Gina Phillips, Justin Long, Jonathan Breck, and Eileen Brennan. Um, 
how to break this down. So uh, for those who've probably seen it, for those who have not seen it, the film is about a brother and sister traveling across country and run afoul of a body part devouring demon that chases them across the countryside looking to, I guess, satisfy its need to feed. Um, massive legend behind the creature, fantastic, uh, fantastic, just, you know, a brand new horror icon hit the screen, portrayed by, you know, masterfully by Jonathan Breck, who um, I got to throw out there. I thought it was really interesting. Well, well, I remember when I was looking at this movie the first time, Jonathan Breck's audition tape. So you, you and this was curious, this was kind of curious. You talk about like, you know, who's going to get cast as like the villain. It's like a villain. You know, you got Freddy Krueger, Robert Englund went in and it was his his panache and his energy and his and his wittiness that got him the role of Freddy Krueger. His ability just to pop one-liners really, really fast in reaction to things and his just co- general comedic timing is what got him, not to mention the fact that he's small and thin, but he had a way of moving his physicality, which belied an intensity and a strength that you you didn't expect. He was he was small, but he was wiry. And you know he had he kind of like moved in a way that was very intimidating, which is what got him, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger. With Jonathan Breck, and this was weird. <laughs> if you watch the video, you can actually go on YouTube and find his audition tape to be the creeper. He came into the audition room like they called him in, and he started from outside, and he came in, and like like moving like the creeper does, and he went up and he was like looking around and doing the smell thing, and then he grabbed one of the auditors and started doing the <laughs> doing like that at them. And then like, look, it's like that. And that whole physical, that's what got in the role. They just wanted to see like the body and he encompassed it. And so, but the balls on that to like, just stride into the audition room and just start grabbing people. <laughs> like, fuck, fuck professionalism. We're going full this. Like you want a monster? I'm going to give you a fucking monster. So well, um, know they already had a monster. <clears throat> And I and I really and I and I mean I dug that I dug that not to mention I'm a huge fan of Justin Long, huge fan of Gina Phillips. It's a fun ass movie and a great new horror icon that we got out of uh out of the creeper itself. Great design. And I loved uh one thing I dug what they did um was the it was basically the transitional, it's like a transitional monster. It starts out as the truck, then it's the person, where it's the guy standing there, you got the hat, and you know, like it looks like looks like a guy. And then it slowly devolves until, you know, straight up, it's a fucking demon wings, you know, shit coming out of its head towards the end. But that, it, you know, like the monster itself all, you know, changes throughout the scope of the movie as more and more of it is revealed. And I loved how it was kind of like taking away skins to eventually you get to the heart of the, the, the thing that you're dealing with. <laughs> What's going on, Omni Horror Sports? Is I have a monster in my pants. <laughs> uh, oh, Commander Darkly asks, uh, was the license plate beating you or be eating you? And it was be eating you. Was his life his personalized license plate was be eating you? <laughs> How the f- this is one of the things that he had to register his vehicle. <laughs> you had to make sure everything was legal. <laughs> no, nope, nope. I am not going to be the negative Nancy on this one. You guys enjoyed this movie. <laughs> and one thing I that's fucking what I hate got. this piece of shit. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I thought this was this was an. I mean, when you're trying to create a horror icon, and um, you look you look at what goes into making a horror icon, like you know, like, I, and I want to look at these because there's been several movies that tried to introduce someone that you know, like a new big bad. 
some of you to like this eventually going to be the next Freddie or the next Jason, the next Michael Myers, something of that nature, like the next Leatherface. We have these icons in our heads. And then we have the kind of contenders where they pop up and they try to really be something. So whether you know, like the collector, um, uh, so I, uh, like the creeper would, would be up there, uh, up there in there, just like the, where they, they get a franchise and we really try to push them because we know the collector is going to get a third film. It's coming out, I think, later this year or early 2022. So I'm really, really curious as just that what separates it? What makes a Jason or a Freddy and separates it from, you know, all the content, all the contenders are like, like Penhead. I mean, you know, you, it's simplistic. Pinhead showed up very similar like that. It's just kind of a function of it. And, you know, the story is really Kirstie Cotton's. Kirstie Cotton's story, that was her story in Hellraiser. And Pinhead and the Cenobites were just, ter- were literally almost tertiary because it was, it was Kirstie. 15 minutes, and, I think. Yeah, it was, it was, Kirstie, yeah, it was Kirstie Cotton's yeah. story. And then it was, it was Kirstie Cotton's story. Then it was Frank's story. And then it was the Cenobites after that. Right. And so in this one, you've really got the relationship between uh, Derry and his sister, um, Derry and Trish. You have the relationship of them is the is literally the for, the forefront of the entire movie. The dynamic between these two, and the dynamic between them and everybody else. And so you've got their story. You've got everyone in the town story. The people that they run into, the the witnesses that they talk to, how they deal with the cops themselves, and then you have the creeper behind it because not a lot of backstory was given to this thing. And while it does have this big ass climax at the end, it's very similar to Hellraiser. The formula seems very similar to me, where we have brushes with this thing, but it's really all about these characters. And then later on, it becomes more and more about the monster itself, just like in Friday the Thirteenth. You know, just like it becomes more and more about Jason and less about the people that are at the camp. Uh, go ahead, Eugene. I I don't have anything positive to say about this movie. <laughs> so the one thing when it comes with. Uh with creating horror icons first of all you have to be able to get multiple movies and we're at a point now where you have to be more creative we, we already mm-hmm. have like the slasher the chainsaw the machete the knife all this other kind of stuff so it has to have some kind of additional element because when you look at say w- one of the newer ones like Ghostface, then Ghostface is more of the twist who oh. is it actually Ghostface. how the hell did i face <laughs> <laughs> on Ghostface? exactly <laughs> Is like who, who, who is it gonna be this time? So it's still it's like the the little murder mystery element. We take something like Jigsaw. Jigsaw has the, um, oh, you take life for granted. It's a game that he, if 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 you just had just an old man just going around killing people, it just wouldn't really be. It wouldn't really be like that big but you look at the traps how brutal can the traps be and i'm not saying all the saw films are good because there are a lot of them the only yeah, one that is good is the first one i like the second one oh. but I, I like the second one. But, i gotta say as soon as shawnee smith showed up i was like oh bad guy no yeah it's still fun to watch you you know the endings of films it's all about how to get there yeah uh, yeah maybe i don't know i uh maybe because that's part of my problem with Jeepers Creepers is that you know how it's going to end. You know that Justin Long is going to be, he's going to sacrifice himself to save his sister and all that shit. And you just, I just don't care. I just don't care because I'm hung up on the fact that they should never have been in the fucking situation to begin with because only <laughs> idiots, only idiots say, hey, look, there's a guy in the middle of nowhere and it looks like he's dumping bodies in a giant hole. Let's go get in that hole. 
Yeah, that was that all, is, I think that is all of us. Line. Yes, the, oh, that was the end. Motherfucker, you deserve to die. The sister has a line. The, sorry, the sister has a line. You know that moment in scary movies when people do something really stupid and everybody else hates them for it. This is it. Yeah, and pretty much. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Oh, I got it. We got when it. Yeah, when did a demon learn how to drive? And when did a demon have time to get a personalized license plate when he wasn't eating people's faces? He forced it's so it. stupid. <laughs> it's just so stupid. No, no, you I can't, can't you totally can't. believe a demon can drive. He's you been can't. around for forever. Yeah, okay, exactly. cool. He's been cool. around for thousands yeah, of years. But he come on. He's his own plate. Obviously, the thing thirst. wasn't pressed at the local penitentiary, man. <laughs> uh, it's just so stupid. Well, I mean, next he's going to have a driver's license. No, I'm sorry. He's going to have a, I'm not driving. I'm traveling. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's going to be a soft sit. So, but I'm, I'm curious about this because now I think, I think the creature, I think the creeper, I think it is a horror icon. It lands up there with like Jigsaw, the collector. Does he though? Not, I think so because. Why? He only has to, three movies. It has three movies, but we're going to get more. And the question are we? Is, it's been we, there, well. There that's going, true. They're they're yeah, they're there is going to be it, more yeah. of them. So my, yeah. my but the whole point is is that I think it hits that B level, that B roster. I don't think it squares in the A. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's not you know Jason. It's not Freddy. It's not Michael. So Leatherface, Ghostface. Bad um, euphemisms. It's not hit the. It's not hit. Well, I was like 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 A tier. Squaring it in the A. a Guys got balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an, it's not an A tier. It's not a B. It's a more a beard a B tier villain. And unless unless upper C, lower B, like a B minus. Yeah, I can say B minus. It's a yeah. B minus villain. Yeah, it's, it's up there. You know, it's it has a it's a it's a bad guy with a unique gimmick that really that that takes what works from other places like logical hillbilly. Hey, logical hillbilly, good to see you. And I also you know Omni Oros Boros. And Frank being Frank and Beaver C, welcome to the show. Glad you guys stopped in. Um, but yeah, he's like, uh, he stole that plate from Jeffrey Dahmer. And it's, you know, it's that concept of being eaten alive. That's a scary concept. Mm-hmm. And so it works for it. it I mean, I mean uh, like, okay, I put him up there with Leprechaun. Omni Orisbora says, we need more Leprechaun movies. We, exactly. That we have, uh, that, it, but you know. The you got to be that- careful what you wish for because we got more Leprechaun <laughs> yeah, movies. This is true. Warwick Davis. <laughs> we need more Warwick Davis Leprechaun yes, movies. Yes, that's yes, yeah, We have and, to be specific. And I yeah. put Leprechaun, I put Leprechaun in that, in that B tier. Whether you want to say it's B minus or B plus because, you know, because Warwick Davis is super talented. He's excellent. When it takes, it, what it, what made Jason really fantastic was the work of two particular actors, was the work of C.J. Graham and Kane Hodder. Because every time, I mean, I and I credit the both of them. Kane Hodder obviously had four movies. He really, and I think he, he I still say he gave Jason his voice. CJ Graham also did really fantastic work because CJ, if you go back and watch six, CJ knows how to play to the camera, knows how to to knows how a, a shot is gonna is gonna be is gonna be framed, knows how to work within the the limitations of the frame. He maximized the opportunities he had, and he made Jason fucking scary. I mean, come on. For all I love Kane Hodder and his sleeping bag kills and all the cool fun stuff he did and fighting, you know, fighting the telekinetic and everything, that's fun. CJ stood on top of the burning RV like, oh, you know, I'm going to fucking kill everybody. He gave us that moment. And so, yeah, I think it's moments like that that make it fantastic, that really designate a horror icon. And so, and I think, unlike some, like Chrome Skull, Chrome Skull doesn't have moments like that. 
It's kind of like it's it's one note. Oh, you're 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 you wear a mask and you have a camera and you kill people for you know for whatever like that, and it's gruesome and gory. But what have you got? It's not like the collector, but the collectors. You know, it's not just about traps. He's got the whole spider thing going on. You know, he he thinks he's an insect. Or he thinks he's a spider himself. The creeper had that thing. You know, the fact that it's this monster, wings, scaly deals, you know, fucking shit coming out of its head, you know, and, you know, back at eating people and shit and replacing his body parts. But then after you've done all this, you stroll, you like get out of the car and stroll while whistling the tune that you like, you know, to do like this. It it adds that little kind of thing. He's got a sadist, a sadistic, he's not just an animal or a monster. He's got that kind of human side to him, which makes him even scarier. And so he's got that thing that elevates him to be. Uh, to B status, not a not a level, to, but we will see because we are getting more movies, and that's another thing I wanted to dive I wanted to dive into real quick was new new uh, new hands, new minds because the entire franchise has been taken over by someone else, so it's new people completely behind this. Jonathan Breck will be returning to play the Creeper. That guy will always be the Creeper. I think he's amazing as the character, and he loves playing it. Might as well keep him in it, but. New, I mean, new total, a total new direction. I don't even think there's going to be a continuation of the story of the original trilogy, where they were going like the creeper's backstory and you know how to defeat it and all that other shit. So I don't think we're going to get that. I think it's going to go a whole new, like a like a reboot, like a straight up reboot of the franchise. Um, and that's that's actually kind of interesting. I'm really I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with it. I'm glad it's kind of is going to kind of separate itself from. The original trilogy, it's just like let the trilogy be what it is. But I believe the creeper itself is a the creeper itself is a strong enough villain that I'd like to see more. No, don't want. I don't care about this movie. I don't care about this franchise. Um, <laughs> He's like, fuck off. I want, like, this, no. I want the Jeepers Creepers to go away, go to the bargain bin where it belongs. But that's just me. Did you check the chat, Bill? I did. I did. I'm looking at this. So um, this is odd. So th- I want to thank, thank, thank you, Stevie B, for the ten dollar uh, for the ten pound super chat. Um, that's odd. I don't know how I can how we can take super chats on this on your personal channel. It's to it's to my personal channel. It's to, it's to the to Jail Warren channel. To to my personal channel. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yes, thank you. I wasn't expecting that because I could have swear that I created this under the weekend horror. Uh no, it's on. It's broadcast to your your personal channel. I did it via Streamyard. Uh huh. And I chose Weekend Horror when I did it. No. Yes, I did. I'm looking at it right now, and it says J. L. Warren. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I, I done, I done fucked up. <laughs> As Christopher Lee said when Peter Cushing said, a silver bullet. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Um, I do appreciate it. Thank you, Stevie B. Uh, That's wild. Um, Yeah, I was watching the comments in in, uh, StreamYard, and I saw the the symbols for memberships. I was like, wow. When the fuck did Weekend Horror become monetized? Yeah. I looked at uh, at, because I've got both StreamYard and YouTube up, and I said, "Oh, it's on, it's on JL's channel. That's why." That's why the announcement. That's why the announcement didn't go to the damn Discord. Yep. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay. Wow. Okay, okay we're gonna have to fix that. We're gonna have. I'm gonna have to re-upload this to the weekend horror side. Yep. Damn yeah. it. Oh, fucking okay. That's my bad. My bad. Jail's bad. God damn it. The two things are right next to each other. Why didn't I just. <sighs> and I'm going with a bad eye. Anywho, well, I do appreciate it. Um, yes, Beaver C, good one, me, fucking fantastic. So, um, for a second, there, I was like, "How are people giving us super chats?" I was totally confused. Yeah, they but, said I, I saw the little symbols for memberships. I was like, "What the fuck is going yeah, on?" Yeah. So when this is done, we're gonna I'm gonna have to upload the video. I'll I'll just download the video from stream. And I'll put it back. I'll put it over on the weekend horror side. I guess people won't see it live. So nope. I guess well, fuck it. You know, I. I Lesson learned. Don't be a don't be an idiot. So yeah, that's that's my I wouldn't bad. say you were being an idiot. You just well, I can tell you this. I can tell you this for anybody that super chats, those super chats will go into weak and horror. They won't be going to me, they'll be going to weak and horror. Same thing. So, At the end of the day, it's the same thing. Well, no, I keep two separate coffers. Yeah, okay. I, I tried right to, pocket, I tried to, left I, pocket. We got ah! it. <laughs> so, uh, oh, Commander Dark Light for $14.99 Australia. Seeing as how we can. Oh, and in Rome, baby. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Commander Dark Light. You are amazing. I do appreciate that. But back to, uh, see, this is interesting. This is a good test for when Weekend Horror does get monetized and having to deal with monetization while we're talking about our talking about the movies. This is a, this is a good a good test here. Yeah, yes, this is a good dry is. run. Yeah, uh, but going back it's into a, it, yes. a happy accident. Yeah, yeah, it's a happy accident. So going on, uh, going on with it. The biggest issue that we have, or I said, the big thing that I have that I look forward to, and the reason I'm excited about it is that new hands, new minds. Because unfortunately, Jeepers Creepers three just didn't have the money, didn't have the wherewithal. I mean, didn't have everything behind it needed to make it great. So it was very slapdash. They did the best they could with what they had, but what they had was very, very limited. Thank you, NANA, for $6.66 American dollars. Hail Satan. I do appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Hail Satan. And uh, let's see, JL. Oh, so Chris Jones just looks like a high percentage of the people are weekend horror fans. Mm. Badass. Yes. Awesome. So, and we appreciate that big time. So I'm looking forward to new minds, new hands, new focus, new creative direction as to where this, where we can take this. Because I don't want to lose an awesome horror icon. You know, I just, it could have stopped. That could have been the end of it. No, I don't want to lose it. I want to see it continue. I even, you know, I think it'll be, I think, I think I like the opportunity and I don't want to be like, eh, whatever. They made it. I think the monster is good. The character is great. Let's do something new with it. Let's do, let's get new minds, fresh eyes on this thing. Yeah, I mean, this movie came out 2001. Yeah, 2001. 2001, yeah. this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan Breck has been playing the creeper for 20 years. Over three films. Still, I mean, that's wow. what he's known for. And he's going to be playing it again. So, yes. We got that. I want to see fresh blood in this, and I want to see them really take this in a direction because new minds, new new uh, new hands, new minds, new production studio means bigger money. It means we can have, we can justify putting a truckload of money into this to make it really awesome. So hopefully we'll get something that either is comparative to the first film or blows the first film out of the water. <sighs> so either way, I'm looking forward to it. I want to ask the audience. Yes. Let's ask the audience. Let's get the audience's opinion on this. Rebooting Jeepers Creepers, complete fresh start, full on reboot, yay or nay? 
do we want it? Do we not want it? Do we just leave the creeper to the dust with all the other horror icons that didn't make it or continue on salvage the monster, salvage the, the, uh, the cre- uh, salvage the creature that Jonathan Breck has worked so hard to bring to life and bring, you know, and it really brings own to and just start fresh with it and begin it again. One or the other. Yes. No. Let us know in the live chat. Let us know in the comments below or at weekendhorror at gmail.com. Cause remember Alex still needs that writing material while he's up at 3am dealing with the new game. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on, uh, Eugene cash grab time. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So the next film we have is Annabelle released September 3rd, 2014. It was directed by John R. Leonetti and it stars Annabelle Wallace, Ward Horton and Alfre Woodard. And Basically, in a nutshell, you got a satanic demon-possessed doll that just haunts people. That doesn't do a fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) God. Shit. One shit movie to another one. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. Like. (laughs) I think N.A. N.A. summed it up. Annabelle was pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> i just don't i just don't get it i can't do it with these cheap cash grabs i can't do it i can't do it come on it's a fucking doll that sits in a chair <laughs> oh my god i'm so scared who's gonna buy that doll oh yeah we've talked we've talked about this before in yeah. terms of in terms of that doll no one would fucking buy a doll no. that looks like that no one no would. who's no, gonna buy a raggedy Ann doll Millions ah, of people. Yeah. Ah, I'm, yes. I'm telling you, it would be way more scary if you had the original Raggedy Ann doll walking down a hallway by itself yes. than anything this super intentional creepy doll does. Like, yes. the, like this thing right here, I was like, oh, fuck that. I don't want that in my house. No. no. And then movie over. That's oh, it. I want, actually, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to, I want to uh, give a huge shout out. Elizabeth S. is a new patron. As jo- Elizabeth S. has joined our slasher tier. Welcome to the slasher tier, Elizabeth S. We do appreciate it big Thank time. Thank you so much. Thank you. We do appreciate it. Look forward to your monthly newsletter and, of course, uh, your early access to the Weekend Horror Bloodbaths. And, of course, I think you've got like over a year's worth of Bloodbaths and After Darks available on Patreon to take a look at. Not to mention behind-the-scenes photos from the shoot of Nailgun. So I hope you dig that. Uh, but thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Um, just got to give that shout out and uh, continue. But yeah, I mean, going back to it, like you look at this, you look at this doll and you're like, I don't want to buy that. And then the movie's over. Like, because like, that's it. Versus like a Raggedy Ann doll that's like, hey, millions of people bought it. Yes. I want my kid to have yeah. it. And so what are you going to do? You're going to buy it. You're going to give it to your kid. And then and it's going to murder everybody. And then, yeah, all of a sudden it's walking down the hallway. It pops out. Of- did did anybody, did watching this make anybody else pine for, for Chucky? For the original Child's Play? I don't, not, not necessarily. Because even the good guy dolls took fucking creepy as shit. I don't know if I would buy that. Like that kind of cabbage was, patch, that cabbage patch yeah. look. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> I told you about that coworker I had, right? <laughs> she was well, deathly I, afraid of cabbage patch dolls. So I used to hide them around her workstation all the time. 
<laughs> but I, that, that's what that's what watching Annabelle got me the most. When you you have the atmosphere, exactly, and and he's right. It's been done. Child's Play, it has been done. Um, Frank Bing Frank says Annabelle was another gratuitous fan service movie that just missed the mark. They wanted to tell more of the Conjuring universe, but yeah, it was and a cash grab. It was a cash yeah. grab because the, the, the bitch of it is, it could have worked, but. You make a movie about a doll that's demonic, and the doll does nothing. That's like it just, look, it just looks creepy. It's exactly. Yeah. That's like saying, "Hey, we're going to do a Friday the Thirteenth, but we're not going to have you know Jason's not going to do anything. He's just going to sit in a fucking chair and look at you funny." Yeah. Hey, Sir Little Wolf is joined. Good to see you, Sir Little Wolf, and Stevie B. Good to see you. So the uh, the big thing, I mean, that's what it got. I kept part, you know, because I remember watching The Conjuring. And everything that worked in The Conjuring, because The Conjuring, for for all of it, it's kind of like, you know, kind of falling apart. It's kind of like, you know, like going, I think it's it's a little bit like, it's, it's lost its edge now with the third one. But the first one, the first one was fucking scary. The problem was, they'd use all the same. They, they, they use everything that worked in The Conjuring to make this one work. And the problem yeah. is, with The Conjuring, you've got legitimate ghosts or demon or whatever. You've got they, legitimate they did stuff. They did stuff to you. This one... The doll is just there. The doll is like a focal point. And oh, the doll them. went and tied your shoes together. Ooh. And so, and I, I, I just, I just recall. I was like, I watched. It, I was like, huh, interesting. Huh. I honestly thought, yeah, Tony Rajamber, the scariest doll is the ventriloquist dummy in Magic. That was a scary use of a doll. Or Joey. Um, the dolls in. You still haven't seen Joey? Have haven't you? Haven't seen it yet? Making contact. I haven't yet. You gotta and, watch it. Don't talk about uh, creepy ass dolls. So and, and in looking at this one, I'm kind of like there's it's just, there's better ways to play instead of just making a scary ass looking doll. At least in those bargain bin Robert the doll movies, which are just <laughs> and they're they're even worse. At least that doll fucking runs around and does shit. I don't I don't watch it and go like huh. I can see what they were doing here, but it's really the Conjuring. But instead of ghosts running around, it's a doll that just sits there and it looks fucking creepy. Why would anybody buy this first place? I'd rather buy something yeah. that was at least. Goo- that was at least fun looking. I'd rather buy a good guy doll. I'd rather be watching Child's Play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they could have literally picked anything out of the case from the office of those two paranormal investigators. They could have picked anything to be in to do this story with. Anything. The book, the oh, that would have been even it's like if it was like one of the a possessed book or a demonic book, that would have made more sense. The reason why I didn't do shit because it's a yeah. fucking book. Yeah, it's a doll. You're expecting it to. Move Get up and throw knives and, yeah, and like rip people's faces off something. Just just yeah. Yeah. The doll left a flaming bag of poo on your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I I mean I I don't know what to say about this movie. We haven't said it already a thousand times. I I mean it's yeah, it's they made money off of it and they it, yeah it's just another movie in the universe and they made a bunch and they're they made more apparently this one's yeah. successful enough because you get like annabelle creation and all the others that came out but yeah i think it, that's what it came along to and of course i think you take they take big inspiration from you know they take big inspiration from what you know marvel and disney was doing with the mcu everything's got to be a cinematic universe nowadays everything's got to be expanded out with continuity so that you can branch it out so you can justify multiple multiple films that people will go to see to get additional storyline and that just seems to be the, that's the trend in hollywood now and, and there's that nothing that's... wrong with that yeah there's nothing wrong with it just... annabelle 
And well, it's nothing wrong with it as long as your filmmaking is not lazy. As long as it's not lazy filmmaking, because you could have brought someone in. I right. mean, I'm sure they, they, but I get that they went with what worked. What worked in The Conjuring, they reapplied it here. But your focal point, your villain, is not the same. Is the problem right? Is that you have a complete, a fundamentally different bad guy in this, and that's where they dropped the ball because they tried to apply what worked in The Conjuring to a completely different bad guy, and that's like saying we're going to take the fight to the villain, but it's yeah, we're, we're, we're Jason, we're we're Jason character, we're Friday the Thirteenth characters, we're going to take the fight to the villain, but we're fighting to the villain, but we're fighting Freddy, and it does not work that way, right? Yeah. Somebody yeah, wants any any wants to know is somebody washing dishes? No. <laughs> that would be a yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it was pretty much a cash grab, and I think sadly it was obvious it was a cash grab. And while Annabelle Creation wasn't bad, and it was better, I actually would say the Annabelle Creation was better than than this first one because. When they went to do a prequel about it, they had to work with stuff that wasn't already done because The Conjuring established Annabelle, so they just ran with a, just a, an, um, uh, a, te- a tangential story. Whereas Annabelle Creation, they had to go back and create new co- – they actually had to go back and say, like, okay, well, we actually need to write like where this game thing came from, and we actually need to write a backstory that's engaging. So unlike a Raggedy Ann doll – you know, where it's just like, okay, it was made by the manufacturer. And it was, but they had to come up with this big backstory to justify an entire feature film about it. So that forced them to get creative again, at least to make a, a selling, or at least to make a, uh, I would say, an acceptable plot. And therefore, just by virtue of that alone, creation was actually better than the other one. Plus, we got, it was, it, it, we realized it's not about the doll. It's about the family around the doll that invariably leads to the doll getting possessed, which I thought was good. The doll doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's a movie about a doll that doesn't do anything. Hey, Rodent Last Name says Gabba Gabba. Hey, everybody. Sorry I'm late. You can start now. Well, we appreciate it, Rodent Last Name. Rodent No Last Name. All right, so welcome to Week in Horror, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Omni Orosboro uh, says, Annabelle Creation, they made a doll and it sat in a store. Spooky. <laughs> so, Stephen King, you got anything scary for me now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it even says a monster on it. Written in satanic letters. I just love he just picks up the lamp. Oh, and he picks up the... <laughs> but yeah unfortunately it's, it's where it went at least i mean at least with the nun we got some interesting stuff at least yeah, we got at least got a you know a scary nun yeah feature. there's a reason why the nun looks like that yeah right yeah. you know what i mean because nobody's trying to buy that well i don't know about nobody's trying to buy the nun somebody might be trying to buy the nun, but that's relevant nobody's gonna buy this stupid fucking doll nobody's gonna pick up this yeah. stupid doll be like hey i'm gonna give this to my uh toddler yeah, so they can go play with it and scar them for life. They'll never speak out again, ever. They'll never yeah. talk. Omni Oros Burrows asks the question we're all asking. Why can't we have giant irradiated brains shooting lasers again? I mean, the simple things in life. It's the yeah. simple things, yeah. <laughs> you really do miss it. You got to enjoy the little things. Yep. Yeah. Irradiated brain shooting lasers. No fuss, no muss. We get this. It, it works. <laughs> it, does, it, it's, it, it does. So I actually I want to ask the audience that we pretty much just hammered this topic and um, is the original Annabelle creepier? 
the Raggedy Ann doll, or do you find the new Annabelle creepy? Let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email at weekendhorror at gmail.com. I have seen pictures of that original, the original one, the one that was in the Warren Museum. I will admit, I, it's, I mean, it's just a fucking doll. But the way they got it set up, they got the glass case, the do not open under any circumstances. Right. And, you know, like the kind of like yeah. red light that was, you know, was like, the, the fucking thing looked creepy. You know, I mean, creepy. it does look creepy. It, yeah. I honestly would be, that thing sitting in the corner just kind of like, that's a little, you know, it's like, even I would be like, because it's so plain and you can't. You can't get it, at least with the Annabelle doll in the movies. You know it's bad. It's like, okay, that's... Yeah, what, that's going to kill what things. Is, I'm going to walk in the room like, what is this? Yeah, come what on, the, guys. What is Go this ahead thing? and lock this up with the glass <laughs> and the spells on it so it can't get out. Yes, you're <sighs> right. Uh, Omniorus Boris, the Warrens made Annabelle up. And they made I, up all the stories. I agree sure. with you. Um, we're just asking, like, what makes a creepier doll? Like, a legitimately creepier doll. Some people like are, are like, really creeped out by dolls especially ventriloquist dummies or like you know like victor porcelain victorian dolls but some people find dolls very very creepy which one would be creepier um the original annabelle doll or the one that they used in the movie the original one i'm sorry the because original one too, yeah. that raggedy ant doll man if I were to see that thing running around, if I, I mean, I expect like the Annabelle doll they used to run around look creepy. I just expect it, right? Mm -hmm. That little old Raggedy Ann doll with a with a triangle nose and all that. I'm like, oh, look how cute! Oh, it's killing me now. It's going to murder me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least it could sneak up on you and be like, oh, look at that! And you pick yeah. it up, and then it get latched to your face, and right? Like, bite your face off or <laughs> eat your eat your eyeball or something. Yeah. Frank B. Uh, Christopher Muse Channel says, Ken doll is creepiest. <laughs> uh, Frank B. Frank says, my mom always had Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls around the house when I was growing up. She was a fan of the original content. That newer version is definitely creepier. creepier. Ah, and Beaver C. says, can't stand the animal doll. They just stole the look from Glenda. Um, the uh, the, uh, the Glenn Glenda from uh, Seed of Chucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, I found a lot of the inspiration of that. I think if you look at Robert the Doll, like the Robert the Doll movies, which are just, dude, God, they're awful. But uh, if you look at that one, I see a lot of the the Glenn Glenda doll kind of transferred over to the Robert the Doll series. Um, if you just Google images that one, Google Robert the Doll horror movie, yeah, then you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And the N.A., dead eyes like a doll's eyes. <laughs> doll's eyes. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Johnny, what do we got? What do we got next? All right. Take us home. We're, we're, we're taking a hard left here from shitty uh, films to The Owners, which is a 2020 horror thriller film adapted from the graphic <laughs> novel uh, Yoon Nuit de Prin Lune. Uh, I don't speak whatever the fuck language that is. I think that's French. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to offend my French-speaking people out there. But your language is retarded. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, anyway, get me demonetized. I am. This is why I can't make this mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take this this video off my channel and put it on Weekend Horror where it belongs. Uh, this is the directorial directorial debut of Julius Bird, correct? With uh, screenplay by uh, Matthew Gompel and Julius Bird uh, in collaboration with Jeffrey Cox. 
stars Maisie Williams, Sylvester McCoy, and Rita Tungskam. Jake Tushingham. Tushingham, sorry. I, I, I can't see. This eye doesn't work, JL. You give me these r- crazy, ridiculous names. Anyway, so sorry, these people. You got these these guys who decided to take break in the home. They break into a home. Uh, it's it's a home invasion story gone wrong. I mean, let's be honest. That's what it is. It's like the jizz story, except without the jizz guy. <laughs> the funny thing is, you all knew what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, it's I I didn't get the opportunity to really dive into this one uh, because I kind of got bored when I started watching it. That would be fair enough. I mean. I wanted to like it, right? Because I think I thought the performances by Maisie Williams was really good. I thought she was good in the role, but I just, I don't know, something about the film didn't really grab me and like it wasn't engaging for some reason. I think one of the, one of the big things that hit this one the hardest and what struck me the most was, as uh, you know, you got home invasion thrillers. You got, I mean, home invasion you know, movies like, you know, for I think the one that pops into most people's minds when we say home invasion is going to be either The Strangers or Your Next right. or Straw. I mean, there's a couple of them. There's like Straw Dogs and Right. Um, and The Strangers and Your Next yeah. start out like with a bang. Your Next yeah. especially starts out just like on point. We got two main characters that are red herrings. We kill them really quick. And we don't know why it's happening. It doesn't really explain anything until much later on in the film when everything yep. starts to wrap up, which is really cool. That was engaging. With this one here, it's just like, oh, hey, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Let's go break into this house. Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. What the fuck? Yeah. Now, <laughs> the, 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 the big thing, the big thing that stood out to me was is that home invasion, like a home invasion thrillers, typically. They're, I mean, they're brutal. They're rough. You know, it's the concept of being, you know, like someone's breaking into your home and being terrible. You know, it's, it's scary in that respect. But the big, uh, they're not off. I mean, and they can be violent like that, but they're not often just mean spirited films. And by that meaning right. is that it's not there just for the sake and purpose of uh, like, oh, you could say like, like the, like, you know, Friday the 13th movies could be fairly mean spirited because we don't give a shit about the characters. It's all about the violence. It's all about the exploitation. Seeing some titties. At least later on, yeah. right? So yeah, the, see, first, seeing, the first one. Seeing is, titties, seeing drug use, then somebody right. gets smoked with some various implement that you know Jason picks up somewhere. Face goes through a car yeah. door. Yeah. 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 yeah, this could be fairly mean spirit. But right. um, but but we 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 uh, curb that with a little bit of comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, good, like you know, whatever. Yeah, so we, we find a way to curb it, but the really truly mean spirited stuff is kind of like a hallmark back to like the 70s, like the 60s and the 70s. Like there was a lot of like uh, movies that they, like, the real exploitation was like Maniac. Maniac was an extraordinarily mean spirited film. Movies like that that are not looking for to to curb anything. They're just looking to exploit and looking to shock and looking to just be like Ugh, stuff like that and just to really get under your skin. And what got me is that Home Invasion. We want to care about people. We want to care about the people who's who are in the house. You know, the home that's being invaded. Even if you have a twist like in this movie, like in like in the owners. Mm-hmm. But it was a very, very mean-spirited, very cynical film. And the thing that didn't work for me is that this is um, – well, first of all, let me ask two questions for two reasons. Let me ask this. Does this type of filmmaking still work? Does it – I mean, in this day and age, 2021, you know, I mean, with the way society is moving, you have things like the Me Too movement. You have things like, you know, where things like Stand Your Ground and various things are big topics – Mm-hmm. Self-defense and various, you know, very, you know, like, you know, the, the concepts of your personal, our personal rights are big stories 
right now. There's a big forefront. There's a big shift in our society as to where these lie, what the you know, defining them, and all these sorts of deals. So the home invasion thriller, obviously being an, you know, an invasion of rights and privacy kind of horror movie, but to this level, to this degree, this kind of mean spirited, cynical nature of it. Do, do, do these still work today? Is this a, a form of storytelling that's still really? I, I get why it played in the '60s and the '70s and the '80s, but 2021, is there a place for this? Oh, I mean, the one thing that comes to mind would be like "Don't Breathe," because I mean that's a home invasion film, and I think I think it could totally still play out. Like maybe it could be ex definitely be executed better, and it can be something that could be more say more inch interesting because just in i think the biggest shift in today's is the competition of all the stuff that you have to fight with to hold the audience's attention ah oversaturation because, yeah, yeah exactly because it's not just the movie theater it's not just hey someone's going to watch it on their tv or on hbo or something like that now it's you got the cell phone you got the ipad you got the all this competition a lot of stimulus People, people are watching more films at home, so maybe right. cooking something. They're dealing with their kids. All, just yeah. all a whole number of things. So when you have really slow paced films on it, you can't like. To me, Lost in Translation. I love that film. I don't know if it could be made today because of very limited dialogue it's they're having entire conversation of just these looks and if you're not paying attention you're gonna miss a lot of what's happening and because i noticed with lost in translation everybody who saw it in theaters loved it everybody who watched it at home hated it i saw it in theater i loved it yeah but i it was that distinct it was just a matter of where do you watch it and i told people like no you have to put your phone down and watch it on it now this this movie's not near as good as Lost in Translation, but you can't do that slow pace anymore because at the very least, with some of the better slow burn horrors, yeah, they're still able to build up this tension. You can look away for a while and come back and still feel that tension. You yeah. still have this stuff that goes on because if you look at say uh, Midsummer, which is still kind of a slow paced film you'll still have these just these disturbing imagery that would pop up like the girl that popped up in the mirror that still had like the mask on her face and it's like oh that's disturbing and it kind of brings you back into the film yeah i mean slow burns are tough to pull off in general and when you have a genre or a specific film that's been done several times uh, and done better, quite frankly. Like when you're talking about, um, oh hell, the movie you just brought up, Baby Baser movie. Um, oh, don't breathe. Don't breathe. Oh, don't, yeah, don't breathe. My goodness, yeah. See, that that one was just done better. Yeah. And there was a there was a really cool element there that you know here are these guys coming in thinking they're the bad guys and really they're not. This crazy blind war veteran who's insane is that the real reveal of what's really going on in this house that oh my god that was so much of an engaging story and that slow burn really was it made you want to watch the movie and find out what was happening next with this with this i just like you know if i find out what happens next cool if i don't you know i don't I, it, it doesn't I don't. I didn't care about the story. I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about what happened. I really didn't. It just wasn't engaging. 
Yeah, it was just kind of like it's just there. Yeah, it did have that, and that was the second thing that I, that that I found to be found to be interesting because it's a British film, and that explains there's, there's, it. There's a differentiation. There's a differentiation between the kind of like the British, um, the British sensibility and the American sensibility. A home invasion thriller, you know, in an American film is is that's wildly different. We know how we'd react. We're Americans. We know. Yeah, I don't want to go into the whole like American ideology. So you know, someone coming in my house, I don't I'll want to blow them away with exactly. my bazooka. But this this is British. This is British mentality. Does that? I mean, is it possible this doesn't work because it's a British film? No, because Twenty Eight Days was a British film and that worked. But 20 Days was a zombie thriller. This is yeah. a, this oh, is well, uh, yeah, I get it. But yeah. even this so, is, yeah, this is Home Invasion. Shaun of the Dead was a British film and it works. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't they're, know what this is. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think that Home Invasion thrillers work, work in the same vein being British simply, I, because, I, simply because they don't react the way American audiences would react. Like we can sympathize with the strangers. We would sympathize with how they react to that situation because they're Americans. We get what they we get. We would react the same way. We um, we would do the same thing. But I mean, it's still somebody who's not supposed to be in your house trying to get into your house or getting into your house and causing you harm. I mean, I think that's. I don't think there's a, an American version of that story versus a British version of that story. I think it ultimately, when we're talking about the violation of your private space of your living of your domicile, that's that's something that's universal, right? I don't think. I don't think the fact that it's a British film is what is wrong with this movie. I mean, because really the only thing is, okay, yeah, America, we're very gun-happy, gun-toting, all the other kind of stuff, where as over in Britain, they have real strict like gun laws and stuff like that. But that doesn't necessarily make mean that it would have to be, oh, they have to be more subdued or anything like that, because honestly, oh, we'll get up a knife and we'll defend ourselves a knife. And that would Honestly, that would could be a great fight scene. Just a boom, they attack and all of a sudden knives and they're cutting each other and blood going everywhere and stuff like that. That could actually be way more interesting than somebody just pulling out a gun and shooting somebody. Interesting. This is an interesting point. This is why I want to bring this up. Daryl Ann brings it up. This is good. Mm. They work for the British. Why does it have to work in the U.S.? Why does it just, I think it was, why does it just have to work in the U.S.? Do we have to make movies just for America? And you're right, we don't. We don't yeah. have to. That seems to be kind of a universal thing that we're talking about entertainment. For some reason, people think that if it doesn't work in the states, it doesn't it doesn't work, right? If you exactly, look at music, exactly. right? So if you can look at like the music scene, at least when I was more into it, um, there were bands that there were bands that could play over here in the states, and they were playing for pennies every weekend. That could go over to Europe and play and make like six hundred euro a night playing three four nights a week just lots you know what i mean like um bugs henderson was huge in germany and huge in europe over here nobody i say bugs henderson most of the people in the chat don't know who the fuck i'm talking about bugs henderson goes to europe and he's got bugs henderson tribute bands i mean same kind of thing um oh yeah you're talking about uh sugar man if you've ever watched that documentary, uh, Searching for Sugar Man, who he was a musician in the 70s. He recorded one album and released it. It was complete failure in America. And he quit. He started took a construction job, lived his life. Well, somehow the album went to South Africa and blew, blew up. up. 
And for 30, 40 years, he had no idea. And I mean, these people had posters of him and they're like listening, they're clamoring. Most of the people thought he was dead over there because they never heard anything from him since. And so until a team actually went out and found him and flew him to South Africa and people are holding signs when the airport landed, huge crowd of people. But yeah. it, it just didn't work here in America. Well, that's got to yeah. be surreal. It's got to be so a, surreal. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for some reason, well, so was David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, for some reason, it, it, I don't know what it is. I don't know why the states have become like the, the place where you have to make it in the states to be considered yeah. made it. You know what I mean? Become the benchmark. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. Because it's not like we have the most people. You would think that, like, if you make it in India, that's or the you, place to make it. Because or you make it in China. Because or China. Then, uh, this is this is what got me. Is and I mean, it's totally non-horror related because we're talking about a bunch of non-horror films. Um, but by comparison, the Warcraft film. I'm a giant Warcraft a fan, a World of Warcraft fan. Everybody knows it. The Warcraft film didn't. You know did not do well here in the States. I think for the cost of that movie, I think it moved, I think it made something I got, I don't know what it made a pittance compared to like that. So it was something like, like 70, 80 million. I think, I think it, it didn't even crack a hundred mil. The cost right. of the movie was like, it was like a quarter million dollar or uh, no, a quarter of a billion dollars to make. It's like a $250 million film barely made. I mean, it's like, it was like 80, 90 million here in the States. I think maybe close to a hundred million in the States. That's bad. It made almost 600 million. In, in theater sales in China. Right. Yeah. 600 million in theater sales in China. And guess what? It's not getting a sequel. Nope. Yeah, I mean. When, you, when you've got Robert the Doll, he's got four fucking movies. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes no sense. But I mean, that's just the Warcraft enemy. Over there. So, um, <laughs> let me see. We got some. Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. We got NA. NA says America. Yes. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me see. And thank you, Elizabeth Sylvester, for uh, checking out the, for the Weekend Horror YouTube account, which is where this show should be currently and will be when we get done. Um, let me see. Daryl, I'm asked that. Yes. Uh, Chris Durham Music Channel says the British never freak out unless you serve them tea that was brewed with lukewarm water. Then, then it happens. All the way they take it in stride. See, uh, Omni Orosboro says most British people would offer home invaders a nice hot cup of tea, a chance to catch up on the telly, and that was it because that happens. At one point, they certainly the, the the homeowners serve the invaders tea. Yeah, they do this. Yeah, and it was just so, it was so odd, and maybe it's just because I'm not British. But I was what I was looking at, and especially to answer Daryl M's deal, uh, what I was looking at was why this movie didn't do well here. Because it didn't. But in Britain, it kind of did. It did better in England than it did over here. It did better overseas than it did here in the States. I think it's marketing. It may, yeah, maybe marketing. it was, yeah. I, and I think they were trying to sell it on May, the fact that Maisie Williams was in it. They were banking on her GOT rep, their Game of Thrones rep, in order to right. sell this movie. Oh, because oh, it was, yeah. That's why she's in it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, she's not a bad actress. No, I think she, she's, no, she's, she's, yeah, really, she's very well, talented. Yeah, the fact that she she's was better than in. fucking Joe Del Furland. Sorry, she's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, but anybody doesn't know she was the girl. She was the the young uh, uh, girl from uh, Silent Hill and a number of other products like that. But uh, yeah, she's she's rubbish. <laughs> so was Silent Hill too. Oh yeah. 
Joe Del Furlan would have made that movie better. That's how bad that fucking movie was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. Daryl. Anyway. Milk, milk, then tea. Then you will see a horror movie. Omniora's <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh. <laughs> birth. Don't talk to Brits about microwaving tea. Then you'll see, yeah, you'll see the horror side of it. Hell yeah. Um, Oh man! Oh, I, I, I wish I could get into talking about the Warcraft film Omni Orosboros. Uh, it wasn't bad, but it's formulaic. This is true. Uh, uh, Duncan Jones said that movie was like death from a thousand cuts. It's just you know there was way too many chefs in that kitchen in that kitchen thinking that they were fucking Gordon Ramsay when they were fucking Ronald you know, McDonald. They were Rachel fucking Ray. And oh, you guys are mean. Rachel Ray's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, but yours was better. There are too many cooks in that kitchen thinking they were fucking Gordon Ramsay when they were Ronald McDonald. Yeah. And just, you know, that's just not how you make movies. Yeah. But yeah, I just so, that, that's the thing that got me about about the owners. I wanted to dig in and it wasn't just for Maisie. I like seeing Maisie. She grew up in Game of Thrones. That's where that's where we got her. And I like seeing her branch away from that and not to, you know, like seeing something different from Arya because what? We got fucking Arya like Almost a uh, 10, 11, like how long did they did all of game? Was it like 10 years? Yeah, about 10 years for us to get the whole story and to, to, to get everything out with all the breaks and you know things that they took. You know, I want to see her flex her wings, I want to see her do new stuff. And um, she had one that came out uh, where she played the boarding school girl, the uh, the the fainting kids. Um, I miss oh, this one. It, it was a uh, it was a suspense thriller. And anyway, but that that was good. She got to really, really, uh, you know, and, and you know, really, really impressed with her uh, the depth of her acting chops. But in this particular one, no, I just, uh, I just, I don't think. Uh, I think uh, well, you know what? I'm going to suspend judgment. I think it's because I'm American and I'm not British. I don't look at it, I don't look at Home Invasion the same way. So having the British response to it doesn't seem to make sense to me. But I think that's my American bias. So I'm going to suspend judgment. Because I think I I am influenced by my American bias. I don't know. I think it was just a not good movie because there are a lot of British films out there that that work, and I don't think that again. I don't think that Home Invasion is something that's that's like an American thing. I think that's a universal. I think that's a again universal thing that it's a you know that that violation of your personal of your of your castle. You know yeah. what I mean. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just think it was just the, the movie itself. Either it was either the writing, the directing, or just overall just wasn't done right. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Because if you think about it, uh, the strangers didn't have a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of shoot 'em up in that. There wasn't. You know no, what I mean? Wasn't. Um, so you know, I think it. I I think it was just poorly executed. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of that question, that's exactly what we're going to ask the audience. Do you think that this genre is more of a U.S. genre, or do you think it could work anywhere? Let us know in the side chat, in the comment section below, or at weekendhorror at gmail.com. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, I guess it's about that time, isn't it? Yeah. We're pretty much running on schedule. It's a... 
It's trivia time. If I have Okay, we I get on like that. an animatic that I can drop a trivia. Oh yeah, what do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give everybody who's yes. got fucking epilepsy a fucking seizure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is trivia time. It's the time that y'all have been waiting for because that you deal with all of our talking like that, so you can win free shit at the end of the show. Right. So here we go, and I think it's on me. Yeah, wait. I've got the trivia question. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What is the free shit? Ah, good point. Good point. <laughs> um, the free shit tonight. I'm giving. We are giving away because this petrified is, shit. This is the last chance, the last week that the limited edition weekend horror shirt number three will be in the shop. So we are giving one person a chance to win a limited edition kink shaming cannibal shirt for free. And this trivia, because September 1st, it's off the store and no longer available. And shortly after that, we will debut the Week in Horror Limited Edition shirt number four. So this is your last chance to win a kink-shaming cannibal shirt before it's gone. And we debut the next one, which I think uh, Eugene will love when he sees it. So um, this is going to be a fun one. And so here's your opportunity. Get those fingers flexing, unless you know it right off the bat. Our I trivia do. question tonight. Well, of course, you read the script. I'm, I just know this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> trivia question tonight. You ready? Yes, Omniorboros, for free. We will we will uh, print one and shoot it to you if you are the first one in the live chat to get it correct. So, Google. Use Google. Use whatever means you need. Ask a friend, phone a, phone a friend, get 50-50. We don't care. Just to be the first one. There is no cheating in this game. Because if you know it, you're just going to drop it immediately. No one knows right. it. You're going to have to look it up anyway. So go for it. Whatever uh, whatever uh, means you need. Trivia question for tonight. Denise Crosby began her film career as a sex symbol in a number of romantic comedies. But what film ultimately made her a scream queen and defined her Hollywood future? Now, one more time, Denise Crosby began her film career as a sex symbol in a number of romantic comedies. But what film ultimately made her a screen queen and defined her Hollywood future? First person in the live chat who gets that answer wins a week in horror. King Shaming Cannibals limited edition shirt number three. We will punch that out and give oh, it to you. Surf's got that. it. <laughs> <laughs> Smart serve. I see what you did there. I see what you're mm. attempting to do. That was really good. That was really good. Uh, so, see. first person in the live chat to get that boom. Omni Oros Boros. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Nicely done. So, uh, Charlie Wolf said Creep Show. Unfortunately, not. Uh, Commander Darklight said the Elim uh, Eliminators. Nope, not quite yet, but it was her role as uh as mama get or as the uh the mother to gauge uh the little zombie child that made her a scream queen especially that epic scene where she shows up at the end and she's like half fucking rotting and shit um but yes it was pet cemetery was the one that that literally took her career into the horror genre and made Denise Crosby a horror legend. If it wasn't for movies like Pet Cemetery, it wasn't for, for Pet Cemetery, we wouldn't have seen her in The Walking Dead. We wouldn't have seen her in a number of the horror films that she has done lately, like Itsy Bitsy, because that's the way her career went. It's kind of like it's very similar to Karen Black. 
because Karen Black was a was a was an extremely talented, very ubiquitous actress. But the minute she did Trilogy of Terror, boom, that's the direction her career went. And she, and, uh, well, she 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 used it, and she did horror movies. She always kind of lamented that that's where her career went because she didn't intend for Trilogy of Terror to make her a scream queen. She intended to show her range by all the different characters she played. But unfortunately, right. when you're good in a horror movie, you're going to be good in horror movies. So, but yep, Denise Crosby, Scream Queen from Pet Cemetery. Other answers we got here. Let me see. Daryl M says Star Trek Generations. <laughs> Rhoda Nelson says Eliminators. Charlie Wilkes says Well done. Noise. Uh, already have the T-shirt. I was half. A- oh, Charlie Wilkes was half assing it. <laughs> uh, Rhoda Nelson's name says Technically, the whole first season of TNG was a horror show. Daryl <laughs> mm. uh, M says Star Trek Generations was a horror movie. Um, actually, I would say the way they treated Denise uh, Crosby on that set was a horror show. Uh, I think so. That's just that's just my opinion. I think they treated her pretty shitty. But yes, awesome work. Um, let me see here. Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Smith says, I didn't even know who that was. I'm not knowledgeable. I don't really watch movies shows. <laughs> 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 well, then we're glad that you're here so that we can educate you on. We don't watch movies episodes. either. We watch them so that you don't have to. We can say no, that. Yeah. No. We, we weed out the bad ones. We sit through this shit so that you don't have to. Which is yes, that, that's, that, li- that line's probably going in the next trailer. There you go. <laughs> we sit through it so you don't have to. Oh, amazing. So congratulations to Omni Oros Boros. Please send us your via the Discord or to weekendhorror at gmail.com, your shipping information and your size so that we can get you the appropriate size uh, shirt. So let us know, weekendhorrorgmail.com, or you can just hit us up on the Discord. You can message me directly, uh, however you like. Get, get us those details, and we'll get your shirt printed and to you. Uh, heads up, Teespring is experiencing some delays, and I am in communication with them. I don't know what's going on. They're not being very uh, big about it, but we've got things that have been ordered and are supposed to go out but have not arrived yet. So if there's a delay in you getting your shirt, um, I don't know what's going on specifically with it because they haven't told me. But if there's a delay, let us know, and I'll I'll keep on track. I'll, I'll keep up to date on the uh, the uh, tracking information and try to keep you guys abreast of it. So let me know um, if there's an issue there, but uh, we'll get that sent out to you. And remember, all the links you need are are down in the description if you want to check out our Teespring store yourself. But uh, I think that's it, guys. I think that's pretty much it. Okay. All right, well, this brings another episode of Weekend Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. Join us next week when we look back at All Cheerleaders Die, The Moth Diaries, Shadows, and Cube. I love Cube, by the way. Looking too. forward to it. I love oh, so yeah, the Cube's one, one. Cube's one of my favorite movies. Uh, we'd like to send a special shout-out to our amazing Patreons who have helped us make the show the success it has become. Thank you all so much. And also, be sure to check out Joshua Olson's new store, www.badsamurai.store. Joshua does all the amazing artwork for our limited edition T-shirts, and he has some amazing new designs you all will be sure to love. Visit us at weekendhorror.net, where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and, of course, Enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month, courtesy of $6shirts.com. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror info every day, right to your feed. You never know what new horrors you may discover. 
Subscribe to our channel and smash that bell like a zombie's head for all the latest updates for the show. We really hope you enjoy the new live format, and we'd love to get your feedback. Be sure to leave us a comment below as the interactions really help us with the dreaded algorithm. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here and you would like to and are able to support our production, you can through our Patreon. We have subscriber tiers as low as $1 get bonus and exclusive content and horror films every month for a higher tiers. However, if you prefer, you can support the show through our PayPal as well. Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailers, trivia games, horror watch parties, and even interact directly with us are in the description. And while the country is finally beginning to recover from recent events, we know that things are still pretty tight for many people. As always, simply commenting, liking, sharing this show with your friends and your local horror community is the absolute best way to help us continue to grow. Thank you all for being the greatest audience a podcast could have. I'm Eugene. I'm Donnie O. I'm JL. And we'll see you next week. And as always, stay scared.